Welcome to the By Every Word Bible Study Podcast, where once a week we'll have some time to share with one another, looking at God's Word and how it can better our walk with Him. Please have your Bibles ready as we begin our time of study now. Welcome to the first ever episode of the By Every Word Bible Study Podcast. My name is Winston Smith, and I will be your host for this podcast. This time we have together to study the Word of God. I'm a youth minister at Beach Hill Church of Christ in Ripley, Mississippi. As we begin this Bible study podcast, I want to sort of let you know how it's going to be set up for the time being. We will have a study with just me every other week, and then every other week, bi-weekly, we'll have a study with me, as well as Dustin McMillan and Ryan Simpson, two of my brothers in Christ. And each and every week, despite the fact that it's me or them together, we will focus on learning and living as the Word of God has showed us to learn and to live. Before we begin, I want you to know that I appreciate you and your time and this time we can have together. And I also want to remind us all that God loves us and He cares for us, and for that we are so incredibly grateful. As we begin our study, I wanted to start by discussing a question that everybody will ask themselves if they have knowledge of the gospel. What must I do to be saved? In the New Testament church, the path of forgiveness and reconciliation is often described as the steps of salvation or the plan of salvation. And those steps are as follows. Firstly, you hear the word of God. Then you will believe the word of God. Then you will repent of your sins, confess those sins, be baptized into Christ, and then you will live a faithful life as a New Testament Christian, resurrected into a newness of life through the lifeblood of Jesus. As we begin this study, though, on the plan of salvation, I want to discuss a few common misconceptions that many people outside the New Testament church may have. First off, some people do choose to use the wording, steps of salvation. And while there is no inherently incorrect meaning behind this, these words can be misleading. While obedience is required, and while we must follow the will of God for salvation to take place, There are no steps we can take that actually earn us our salvation. Our salvation is not earned, nor can it be earned. Rather, it is given to us the love and the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross for our sins. As we begin our study together, I do want to inform you that I do use the 1995 edition of the New American Standard Translation. But feel free at this time to look with me in your own Bible these verses we have together. In many weeks, we'll not use as many verses as we will this week, but there is a lot of verses this week as we try to focus on why the Word of God is so important when it comes to our understanding of salvation. The first verse we'll look at is Romans chapter 6, verse 23. There the Bible tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When the phrase, steps of salvation, is used, it must be noted and taken with that understanding that those steps are made possible through one source and one source only, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The other common misconception is that one or more of these steps means more than another step that must be followed to be granted through Jesus. And some people at time may focus all of their power on, or all of their attention on the confession, or maybe it's the baptism. Maybe it's the fact that you have to repent. However, if we choose to do one or more without doing all the things that God has showed us to do for His plan of salvation to take place, that can possibly void our spiritual salvation. God commands all of these, and as we will study together the next couple of weeks, none of these 
are negotiable. It is just as important for us to hear the word of God as it is for us to live faithfully post-salvation given to us to come into contact with the blood of Jesus and baptism. And our failure to do this, along with our failure to do what God commands us to do in His divine word, can be eternally dangerous. In this study, we will not dive into what a person must do to be saved just yet. Rather, we must establish where our teaching and doctrine is founded. When it comes to us studying and following the Word of God, it is important to use and obey only the Word of God. What we study, what we say, and what we do as Christians should not be based on familial or cultural beliefs. Rather, it should be rooted in the divinity of God's Word, the Word He gave us, the gift of the Bible. Many argue that the Word of God is archaic. They, they say the Bible is in the past, and with the changing of times and the influence of mankind, we should work to try to refine or to mold God's Word to fit our preconceived notions of what we feel God wants us to do. However, saying the Word of God is just historic, or it's just an old book written for old minds, goes against what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. There the Bible says, For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible is an extension of the will of God, showing us the importance of understanding that this is an active word, not a word only to be adhered to in the past. God is active through the word that he gives us. And we see this idea brought before us again in the following verse we can find in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. There the Bible says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, the living and enduring word of God. Furthermore, the word of God was also living and active prior to creation. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 tells us the following. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. John chapter 1 verse 14 continues on to tell us what exactly this means for the word to be able to dwell with God as well as be God. Verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. While we could spend weeks discussing these passages and how they pertain to Jesus, God and the Word of God, the focus of this study is to simply establish the fact that the Word of God has already existed and the Word of God will always exist. With that being said, mankind is not infinite outside of God. We were created, we live, and we die. And the only way we can live forever, the only way we can reach infinity, is because God gave us His Son, Jesus. However, this Word has always existed, and it will always exist. With all these thoughts we have examined so far, it is easy to understand and establish this fact that the Word of God 
is divine. The Word of God does not need man because it existed prior to mankind. Also, if we believe in the gospel and the power of the gospel, then we know that the Word of God will be true forever. However, in today's religious world, many people tend to believe and teach that human interpretation is encouraged. As long as you feel what you are doing is correct, you feel that in your heart, then that gives you an okay to do what you feel you are able to do. However, with that thought in our mind, let us look at this idea in view of what the Bible tells us. First off, human consciousness and emotions can mislead and betray biblical truths. Acts chapter 23 verse 1 shows what Paul said about allowing his emotions and his conscience to guide him. The Bible says there, Now looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life with an entirely good conscience before God up to this day. And while Paul's life as a New Testament Christian was a great life, lived for the will of God, he also admits here that his conscience has always been clean, even during the time he was still called Saul, who was persecuting the Christian church. He admits his past and his mistakes in Galatians chapter 1 verse 13, where the Bible says, For you have heard of my former way of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. We also see this idea reflected again in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13 where the Bible says, Even though I was previously a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Paul's conscience fooled him into believing that he was doing the will of God. However, his emotions misled him to the point of persecution and prosecution unto death towards those who wore the title of Christian. And we'll wrap our study up, our first study together, by looking at one more thought. Many people, especially in regards to how a person is granted salvation from God, tend to believe that it's sort of like a road system, that if you pave your own road, if you find a different road, maybe outside what the Scripture says, that the decisions you make and what you, again, feel is correct can lead you to salvation. As long as you feel and you know that God has saved you, then you are good. However, this idea and teaching is eternally dangerous. Let's look at a few verses that go against this false teaching. That how we are given salvation does not matter because the Bible tells us, in fact, it does matter. 2 John verses 9-11 through 11 tells us, Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. So we see here the fact that not only do we avoid teaching what is not taught to us by God through the Word of God, but if anybody comes to us with that false teaching, we do not allow them in our homes and be with that person, listen to that teaching. We have to make sure we focus only on the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6-7 through 7 tells us, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. 
For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why did you boast as though you did not? There the Bible is showing us again to not go beyond what is written. If you want to know what to do to become a Christian, how to live as a Christian, and how to get to heaven, you have to only use what God has provided to us and the word that he has given us. An inability to stick with this word of God again can be dangerous. You start to flirt with spiritual disaster there, welcoming in outside ideas that can sway our biblical foundation and the faith that we have founded in the Word of God. Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 10 also share this idea. The Bible says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And we get so much information and really a very, very strong warning here in Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 10. These ideas that people were already turning to a different gospel in Galatia. They were already listening to outside sources, letting those outside sources and mankind sway them and move them away from the perfection of Jesus Christ. The perfection of the Word of God. And we also have to understand that we are not people pleasers. It is not our job as Christians to please other people. It is our job to please God. And of course, by us pleasing God, by us doing the will of God, we are more beneficial to other people. We can show people how to live because then we exemplify Jesus Christ. And these verses we just read work together to show that God knew there was going to be a threat of outside teaching. With this false teaching came the inability for some people to decipher and decide the differences between what God commanded and what people in this world would feel to be correct. God's word is God's word. It needs no interpretation or no additives or anything to change it, to spice it up and make it more exciting today. And these verses show us that fact. And they also show us the dangers in taking it upon ourselves to decide what we should and should not add to the Word of God. We'll read one more section of verses together with this same idea in mind. And those will be Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. There the Bible says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe, 
These are in the accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. And as I mentioned at the beginning of our study today, that we are looking at a lot of verses. And it's a lot more than what we typically look at. But again, it's so important to understand the severity of both adhering to the Word of God and avoiding outside teaching that can sway us from the Word of God. And we see here that. His rule and His authority that Jesus Christ's power and dominion is above every name that is named. Everything is put into subjection under the feet of Jesus and Jesus being the head of the church. The church, of course, being His body, the body of Christ. So whenever we decide, whenever we make the decision to add to that Word of God, we are then perverting the ideals of the Gospel. We as Christians live in a subjection to our Father in heaven. If the Word of God is God and was with God even before the creation of the world and of light and darkness and everything, even before the creation was with God and was God, then do we not live in subjection to the Word of God as well? Of course we do. Through this word, through the saving blood of Jesus Christ, and through our obedience to the gospel, we can be saved from eternal torment. And as Romans chapter 12 tells us, we are transformed as living sacrifices. So as we begin this study together, looking at the plan of salvation, we focus on what one must do to be saved. We have to always start this study as all studies by understanding and establishing the fact that what we say and what we do is not my opinion, is not your opinion, is not our friend's opinion. It is only what the gospel, the word of God, has told us. Let us look at what the Bible says, and let us look at what the Bible says alone. And as we go into this study, let us Get rid of the ideas we have from our culture, where we were raised, where we heard the Word of God preached to us, and what we have been taught. And let us look only at the Word of God, as we always should. Even when we hear teaching, even when we hear preaching by people we respect, we still look at the Word of God ultimately, and let that be what guides our study. Let us focus on the only doctrinal document that matters the divine living, and very, very active Word of God. I want to thank you so much for joining us in this Bible study. As I mentioned earlier, next week we will start our first bi-weekly rotation of having the group Bible study with Dustin McMillan and Ryan Simpson. We will have a little bit longer Bible study. We'll focus on another topic, and then we'll continue this Bible study together week after next. Again, thank you so much. My prayer is for you and your family to be safe and to be healthy with this beginning of this new year. If we can ever help you out in any way, any questions or like that, please, please feel free to email us at beachhilyouth at gmail.com. That is B-E-E-C-H 
beachhilyouth at gmail.com. Any questions, concerns, or comments, we would love to help you out however we can. God bless you. God bless your family. And we love and appreciate you. Have a great week.